Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to How Are You? The Wellbeing Podcast. Today's guest is personal trainer and new mummy, Charlie Barker. She's passionate about removing the stigma around pregnancy and exercise. She shared her very own journey to becoming a mummy and her realistic and honest approach to supporting mummies feel good is a breath of fresh air. Welcome to How Are You? The Wellbeing Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. That was a lovely intro. It was so important to get you on because there's still a stigma around exercise and being pregnant and women still really worried about it because there's not enough information out there um but that's only one of the things I want to talk about today there's so many other things about you Charlie not just the fact that you're a PT and you support mums so welcome thank you thank you thank you I'd love to talk about that and anything else with you I'm just very honoured to have to be on the podcast with you before I carry on any further look what arrives today the book, I am holding Charlie's Yay! book, Bumps and Burpees. Yeah, that's so cool. It's so good to see it in other people's hands finally. I know. It's beautiful. I love blue and pink together as well. I think that's a great combo. Oh, thank you. So, Charlie, it has been a crazy, crazy year. You've had a lockdown baby. How are you? How are you feeling? I am feeling good. So Alfie, my son, just turned six months yesterday. And I don't know if you felt it, but I definitely feel like in the last, maybe even just like two or three weeks, I've sort of emerged out of that like newborn craziness. Um, I didn't necessarily feel it at the time. I just sort of was going through every day, just doing what I needed to do. But now that I've come out of that, I feel like, oh gosh, I feel like I'm sort of getting the hang of him a bit more and I'm enjoying him a bit more. Not that I wasn't before, but you know, I feel really good now and I feel like I'm getting bits of me back, which um, is really nice. So yeah, I'm doing well. You actually sound so like me um, when Macy was six <laughs> months old. I can totally relate. Do you know, I actually felt like at the uh, the three months, the 12 week, there was a little bit of, okay, okay, I'm getting this. And then the sixth month was just like, oh, right. Okay. So I can enjoy being a mum because I know you feel guilty saying that you're not enjoying it. There are obviously so many moments where it's just the best thing ever and you love them so much, but it is like, a, it's like a full on job, like full on 24 seven job. That's what it felt like for me anyway, the first six yeah. months. I was like, bloody hell what's going on yeah absolutely and I actually found that probably between 12 weeks and five months I found that actually the hardest I was surprised because everyone had warned me of oh, the newborn phase it's so hard and actually I really really enjoyed that first sort of two months I really I didn't find it too challenging and I didn't find it too I wasn't very hormonal or you know I really found it okay Probably something also to do with the fact that we were in lockdown and George, my husband, was at home with us the entire time. Um, but then when he came to Alfie wanting a bit more entertainment, but he couldn't do anything to entertain himself, uh, he would cry and I didn't know what he wanted. I found that bit the hardest. And then when he sort of was able to hold a toy or he was smiling and I knew what made him laugh, that's when I found it a bit easier. So that middle bit I found... I found more challenging. Yeah, I guess it's such a roller coaster and Macy's almost two now, but and and it's it's the easiest it's ever been because she can communicate with me. She can say 
Almam or when she's cold or when something's hot, you know, all these little things. She can say yuck to all my food that I cook for her, which is pretty much every day. <laughs> um, so it, oh, no. <laughs> you know, some people say it get. I know. Some people say it gets easier and I do think it does. And then you decide to have another one. You no, know, all jokes aside, I think the biggest challenge of being a mum is getting to know the human that you love more than anything in the world. Like you love this ch- this child, this baby so much, but you don't know them. It's so weird. Like you're learning about them and it's such a challenge, you know, and cause they can only cry to communicate. It's obviously can become stressful, but yeah, that's what it is. It's hard. Completely. And they're learning you and they're learning the world at the same time as you learning them. I mean, there's never been more learning on the job than motherhood because you can't be prepared enough so you just have to roll with the punches really and and you know like you said there's so many bits which are absolutely incredible but my god it is a journey <laughs> it is and when you come out of that little cloud at the beginning you just think whoa what just happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it and what do you think obviously you've got nothing to compare it to I was going to say what's it like having a lockdown baby but you know you don't know any different I guess no I don't know any different although I've worked with so many mums over the years so the things that I know that are different are that um we I'm not seeing any other babies which is a real shame because um I you know all of my NCT group, we just see each other in the park and the babies are in the pram. We're not allowed to get them out in each other's houses and take the babies to classes. And that's the kind of thing I'm missing. Um, I mean, thank God for video calling, FaceTime and Zoom and things. Otherwise our families just miss the baby. So we've got a lot of um, video calls going on between us to sort of update everybody about how he's doing. Yeah, thank God for technology. Um, I think that's the one thing keeping everyone going right now. Yeah. So... I wanted to talk more about motherhood during lockdown and all that comes with becoming a parent on a good day, let alone in a pandemic. But like you said, you've worked with loads of mums before, you know that you haven't got that, uh, I guess you can go to the park, but it's not the same, is it? It's absolutely not the same. But I want to, before we talk more about that, I want to talk about Charlie and Charlie five, 10 years ago, Charlie growing up, You've got a successful PT business now. You've got some amazing clients. I've trained with you. We've like created content together. You're so knowledgeable. But that wasn't always the case, was it? You weren't always confident, PT, healthy Charlie. No, definitely not. I mean, actually, I I come from a background in um, gymnastics. So I was a competitive gymnast from the age of like 10, all the way up until really recently, actually. Um, So I've always been myself sort of active and in sport and everything. But coming into the world of personal training, of course, you can't just come into a job and be good at it. I, I, Looking back at some of my first client sessions that I ever did, I cringed so hard at the things I said and and I had my little notepad with everything written down. And it just, it just shows you that it doesn't matter who you are, you still have to climb that ladder and learn on the job and get experience and make mistakes. So I became a personal trainer just right out of university actually and um I got given some of my friend's clients when she moved out of London and they were all mums and I was I was neither here nor there about training mums it wasn't really anything I was sort of hoping to specialize in but I was absolutely happy to do it but very very quickly they referred their friends to me you know how mums do they have their little black book of contacts and as soon as they you know find Mm. something that works for them they tell all their friends so (laughs) before I knew it I was training only mums and and actually realizing I quite enjoyed it and I enjoyed it because the mums who just had babies or that they were pregnant and you'll remember it's a new world so you really need you need that help from the personal trainer so it's not like somebody who um they've got a sort of goal but they're actually just a bit lazy when it comes to the gym and they need accountability I was getting a bit bored 
of training just people with no real ambition or real goals they just were paying for PT because that's what their friends did or something and so I was really enjoying um training clients that had a a, not a real goal but like a, a time specific goal and they were they were really after my knowledge and my help so I decided to get more and more trained up and um get more experience and you know talk to other people in the industry and learn on the job and before I knew it I, I sort of became a specialist and that's all I've been doing for the last um, nine years I think I've been a pre and postnatal specialist so yeah but you know what it's interesting because me as a person I didn't used to have a very good relationship with my body I um, actually developed an eating disorder when I was coming towards the end of my school so like sixth form time when I was 17 18 I had a very bad relationship with my body and I think it came partly from gymnastics world, partly just from, I don't know, my environment, everything around me. I was at a girls' school. I don't know if that made a difference, but I um, did not have a good time with eating. I, I, I would starve. I would then binge. Like it was, it was terrible. And actually I have never felt more at peace with my body than um, not being pregnant necessarily, but in the last we'll go into this I'm sure but in the last two years I've had a lot of ups and downs when it's come to fertility and things and I've been very very appreciative of my body um for coming through that and I feel like a really good place now and I'm a bit sad that I had to go through that or get pregnant in order to love my body and and not love it all the time because that's silly we don't all love our bodies all the time but to become at peace with it I guess so I've done a really full circle um about about um body confidence and things like that and you know I don't love my body every day I don't think anybody does but I feel really at peace with it and I'm very grateful for what it does for me do you know what I think that's such an important point you've made that we don't all love our bodies every day and I think that's okay I feel like as much as it's such an important message this whole body positive thing sometimes I find it really unrealistic I don't know about you but sometimes I feel like it, it's almost so forced upon us now like love your body <laughs> your body be grateful for your body your body moves your but you can walk and you can like all these things like how dare you hate your body but like let's be realistic it's important to love your body appreciate it and I think motherhood does make you realize that your body's not there just to be looked at it's not just like an aesthetic thing like there's so much more to your body um, and it's so important absolutely I I can I completely agree and I just think it's it's unrealistic like you say to tell people you have to love your body every day because of course you don't when I say that I'm more at peace with my body there are parts of my body I do not love I'm much more wobbly than I used to be my body composition is far different to what it was two years ago um but Having said that, I don't actually have the time to worry about the things I used to worry about because I've got to get on and feed my baby and I've got to do this and that and the other. And I think, like you said, about your body being useful rather than something to just look at. My husband, often when I'm breastfeeding Alfie, he's like, oh, oh, here, have a muslin, you know, your boobs showing. And I'm like, I just don't care anymore. I just think, oh, well, that that's just something I'm using to feed my baby. It doesn't feel like anything to be ashamed of or not that he's telling me to be, but it doesn't feel like a body part that it used to. It feels like just a means to feed my son. So it is, it definitely has changed my view on it all. Yeah, no, that's lovely. I, um, I didn't get to breastfeed as much as I wanted, but I'm hoping if I'm lucky enough to have more babies that I'm going to give it another go. I think um, my hormones hit me harder than I realized looking back. Uh, I never thought I would be someone that would get the baby blues like I did. But when I look back, I really did experience it. And um, it affected my um, my breastfeeding journey because I just, my, he- my brain, I couldn't, my brain would not function. Moving on from that, you saw me when I was pregnant. I think that's the last time we saw each other. It's a long time ago. Um, you hadn't had a baby yet. Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? The world, the world is stopping us. I know. You hadn't had a baby yet. And I wonder, this is not me um, saying that this is what you were like, but out of interest, now you're a mum, do you think actually when mum said to me, I'm tired, this is hard, 
oh, you know, I don't know. I'm finding it harder to fit in the exercise. Are you? Do you think you're a better PT now you're a mum? That's really interesting because I was also worried about, oh no, am I going to realise I've been doing it all wrong this whole time? Um, and I think what's happened is that I've become a bit more empathetic to mums. So... I don't change the way that I train myself or other mums because actually, luckily for me, I realised I was doing it right in the first place. But I am more empathetic because it isn't as simple as just do a quick 20 minutes. The 20 minutes of exercise comes after the 45 minutes of getting your baby fed and changed and maybe put them down for a nap. Maybe they don't go for a nap. You've got to figure out, you know, all these different things um, before you get that quick 20 minutes of exercise. So I think it's made me really appreciate how hard it is to find the time to um, actually exercise. And so, you know, if a mum says to me, oh, I, you know, I couldn't find a sports bra. I'm like, who cares? Just do it in your pajamas. Whatever you can do, then do. Um, because you will be able to find more time as your baby gets older and you get more into a routine. But my God, at the in the first, I mean, this first whole six months of his life, I am every day astounded at how much time he takes up of my day. Even though he's so small, he doesn't actually need that much physically. He needs to be <laughs> fed and entertained and go for lots of sleeps. And yeah, I still cannot get anything done. So yes, it has changed me in that sense. I think I'm far more empathetic to mums and their lifestyles and the challenges that come with trying to be healthy and exercise. So yes, I think the old Charlie would just say, oh, just squeeze it in here and there. And the new Charlie <laughs> is like, girl, you do whatever you can do. <laughs> I love that. Do you know why? Because I'm um, I tried to explain it to Bradley when he was training me. When Macy, when Macy was six months, I went back to fitness because I had problems with my pelvis, so I couldn't do anything until then. And um, and I've seen PTs write in their um, write in their captions about you can find time. They haven't got kids, and I'm just like, oh god, okay. <laughs> um, so, so that is good to hear. It makes us all feel a little bit more, less of a failure actually, to hear like a fellow mum and PT say, look, I get it. Because for a while I kind of felt like I was failing, like at not being able to get back to exercise and not being consistent with my exercise. Um, definitely for the first first year of Macy's life, I did feel like that. And I also really always make the point on Instagram, or I try to anyway, that, you know, my workouts are just chaos sometimes. I've got Alfie rolling around on the mat. I'm trying to entertain him in between squats. I'm pulling silly faces at him, trying to get him <laughs> to smile. You know, it's not as Instagram shows it sometimes. You've got this nice music in the background of your videos, a clear kitchen with nothing in the background. Behind the camera is all the rubbish, all the toys, all the bottles. You know, that's how it actually is. So I try and make sure that my followers or anyone who um, is worried about it understands that that's completely normal. And it's completely normal for a 20-minute workout to actually take you about 45 minutes because you've got to keep stopping doing an emergency nappy change, whatever. And I think that's really normal. And I think it, you, it shouldn't matter how you get your workout done. If you get anything done, then well done you, because I think it's tough enough to try and find the energy let alone the time and the perfect atmosphere mm, yeah no that's a brilliant message how effective is walking then in terms of exercise because I think walking is probably the easiest one for mums to do I know the weather's not fabulous especially for a little bubba because um, it's cold but what I've decided to do now where I've, I just can't be I, I struggled with consistency because I was trying to be like a super hit workouter like that doesn't even make sense but you know what I mean I was trying to be like right I'm going to do four hits a week <laughs> yeah and some strength training and I'm going to fit it in and if, even if Macy's running around me but like you say it's it's not as easy as that Macy still has a nap but in that nap I have a whole house to run and I've got a business to run and another job like it's not as easy as that so what I have found is right Wake up in the morning with the goal of working out that day. I'll put on gym clothes every morning with a sports bra. If that workout doesn't happen, I make sure I go for a long walk. How effective is that long walk? Um, is that enough sometimes? Oh my gosh, yes. And I think people will always say to me, oh, I only walk. And I'm like, listen, walking is really underrated. Walking is brilliant. And you know, 
especially with babies and kids, if you can walk with the buggy and they might sleep or something, you know, you're getting two birds with one stone. I think that walking is something that can be really underused. Um, and like you said, if you don't fit in another workout, then count your walkers that workout for that day because you know the amount of steps you're getting in trying to get your baby to nap and things like this i think it's a brilliant thing to do um but i love your thought about putting your sports bra on first thing in the morning that's what i do and i think at some point in the day i might find some time i don't want to waste that time by finding my exercise clothes and get finding my sports bra if i'm already wearing it then i can just drop everything and go so i i think that's a really good thing to do and um it's really helped me but walking is something that I think everybody should be doing anyway, if you can. Um, and if that's all the workout that you're doing today, then great. And how long do you need to walk for for it to be effective? Well, what I would say is there's a difference between like a stroll and a walk for exercise. So if you want to go for a leisurely stroll, you might want to meet a friend, that's fine. But if you're actually going to go for a walk and want it to be your exercise, I would go for at quite a pace. Not, not like a power walk or anything like that, but walk like you mean it, you know? Don't amble around the park. Mm. And I'd say anywhere between like 30 minutes and an hour, somewhere, somewhere around there. What I usually do is actually put on a podcast in my ears because that's usually between 45 minutes to an hour, isn't it? So I put in a podcast and off I go. And actually it's quite nice because no one's talking to me. I can just be in my own thoughts um, and you, you're getting stuff done. And so I'd say walk with the idea that that's your exercise so let your heart rate come up a little bit um rather than just ambling around with a coffee in one hand and chatting to your friend that's also fine but that doesn't that's not going to give you so much benefit as going for that walk brilliant sticking on to the subject of exercise why is exercise so important for pregnant women well there are loads of reasons but before I go into them, I also have to say that some people get all the bad luck in pregnancy. Like I know you've really struggled with your pelvic girdle pain and things in your pregnancy, didn't you? Mm. And so if, if you are someone who cannot exercise in pregnancy, uh, do not panic because there are millions of women out there who don't exercise and they're absolutely fine. So it's not something that's going to change your baby or change anything too much. If you can't exercise, you can't do it. But the benefits of it come in so many different ways. So mentally, for example, the the endorphins you get from exercise in everyday life are the same as in pregnancy. And we, your hormones are going crazy in pregnancy. You need some good happy hormones in the mix as well. So endorphins are great. It gives you a little bit of control back, I find. So, you know, during pregnancy, a lot is going on happening to your body that you are not in control of. And by by taking some control back and taking some time for you doing your exercise can sometimes really help and make you feel like your old self still, which is really nice. And it can also be a sociable thing. So like you said, if you're going to go for a walk, meet a friend, go for a, do a class when we're allowed, um, you can talk to other people. So that's also quite nice. So on the physical side of things, you obviously want to be staying strong because your posture it's going to be changing a lot over the nine months. So obviously, as your bump comes out, it tilts your pelvis, which obviously can cause some sort of pain as well. Um, your balance, central balance is different. So you're going to be leaning in a different way. Um, and your joints have to help maintain that posture with also the extra weight gain from the pregnancy. So if your muscles aren't staying strong, and this does not mean, by the way, that you have to be going and lifting really heavy weights, you can stay strong by doing body weight. It doesn't matter as long as you're using those muscles then they can support the joints so that they can withstand that extra pressure. Because actually, if overnight I gave you however many extra kilos on your body that you gain in pregnancy, you would be really sore. It's quite a lot that the body has to go through in, in less than a year. So we want our body to be strong to kind of cope with that. So that's one thing. You also want to be active so you're getting good, healthy blood flow to you and to your baby. So that's a really good thing to do. And Plus, we're trying to prepare our bodies for birth and for motherhood. So 
I cannot remember what your birth was like, but my my labour, my actual active part of labour labour was very quick because nobody believed me that I was in labour. Um, because I went to be induced and my waters broke immediately, but I, I dilated from one centimetre to ten in under two hours and they wouldn't check me again, even though I was like, surely this pain is not the beginning. Anyway, I annoyingly then, well, not annoyingly, but I said to them, okay, fine, if you think I'm only one centimetre still, I need an epidural because I'm exhausted. So they gave me an epidural and then then they checked me and they said, oh, you're ready to push. So <laughs> I could have been pushing ages before, like I told them, but I personally really wanted to be active and moving around in my labour, which is why I was making sure I was strong in case, in case I wanted to push the baby out in a squat position. You know, that happens a lot. So you want to be strong for all the possible eventualities of birth. For me, I ended up having this epidural and so I was lying on my back, which I didn't want to do in the first place, but it was fine. And it just made, made sure that I was strong to help me recover. So, you know, immediately you've had this birth or a surgery or however it ends up for you and you get given this baby to look after. Unlike any other major operation or anything like that, you go home and you don't do anything. All of a sudden you've had this birth and you have a job to do and it starts immediately and you also can't sleep because you're busy all night. So you need to be strong to be able to cope with everything that's coming as well. So yeah, I mean, there's loads of reasons to stay strong, but how you stay strong really is individual to you. So I liked doing uh, resistance weight training still in my pregnancy. I also loved swimming, but some people like to do yoga. They want to walk. They want to do spinning. It, you have to find something that you like doing. Otherwise, there's no point because you're just going to be miserable or you're not going to keep it up. So I think there's no one rule fits all. Um, so you need to find something that you enjoy and that feels good for you and your body. Absolutely. Your labour doesn't sound too dissimilar to mine. Oh, really? Yeah, mine was, my first contraction was like, what time was it? Two o'clock, half two. And Macy was born at half 12, 12.44. Um, so lunchtime. I was one centimetre when I, one centimetre dilated when I went in. But my contractions were really frequent. So I literally, I, I thought that it'd be like every 20 minutes to start off with. So I had my my ball and uh, candles lit um, in the house because I thought I'd be there for a few hours. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had one contraction and then I set the timer. There's like apps you can get where you can time your contractions. It was two and a half minutes the next one. And I was like, Mm, that's quick from what I read that's uh -uh. Not yeah and then within an hour <laughs> they were they were every minute so we were in the car on the way to hospital and she's like you're only one centimeter my and you're gonna have to go home and my mum was like she can't go home look she's already got a contraction coming right now um anyway cut a long story short because my blood pressure was slightly high because I just I just naturally have higher than normal blood pressure I like on a normal day anyway, um, they said I couldn't go home. So they put me upstairs. I couldn't have the water birth that I wanted. I had an epidural because that helps reduce your blood pressure. And yeah, we, I think four hours later I was pushing and she was out in four pushes. But I must admit, I was very heavy. I I was so good at the start of my, my pregnancy. I stayed active, um, walked a lot. And then my pelvic girdle pain took over and my water retention was horrific. Six months after having Macy, I went and had a full body like examination and I had put on fat because I had, I overate and I wasn't that active for the, the last half of my pregnancy. Um, but obviously it's also normal to gain weight when you're pregnant. But I had so much water still yeah. six months down the line. One one and a half stones worth of water still six months later. That's how much I retain water. It was, it's so interesting. And, you know, that that's something where women assume that they can bounce back immediately after birth. You can't. It's just not possible. Your body's going through so much to build this baby. How on earth do you think after nine, ten months of building a baby, growing a human, that you can just snap back? It just doesn't happen. It's not possible. No, and ugh, celebrities are out there still trying to make it seem that way. Some of them do bounce back, but I think that's because they- that's, that's actually another thing I wanted to say is that, you know, I am a naturally um, small person and I was not, I mean, I wasn't um, tiny in my pregnancy. I had, a, I had a very, you know, standard size bump 
but I I was a bit not embarrassed but I didn't know how to deal with the fact that I kind of went back to my normal size fairly sharpish after having him not my normal shape like my my body composition is definitely not the same as it was before but I felt like people might think oh she snapped back and you know I have to say that there's a lot to do with genetics there's a lot to do with how your birth was about you know all sorts of things and um I I don't want women who do go back to their normal size to feel like they have to hide it and you know and that that it's a bad thing and that they snapped back. I think snapping back has a really negative connotation. Um, and I didn't snap back by any means. My God, I, I felt very, very different for a long time after having him. But, and I still feel different to how I was. My hips are wider. Um, everything's a bit softer, but that's fine. You know, like it will, it will come. I'm working on it slowly and steadily. But I think that there's a lot in the press where either you snap back or applauding people for not snapping back and actually there's something in the middle there where actually some people do get back into their clothes fairly quickly after having a baby and it's not their fault they've not necessarily dieted crazy diets or anything like that it just happens like that so I think yeah I did I did worry about that and people said how have you lost all the weight and I was like I haven't I haven't lost all the weight but my body has gone back to this size naturally I'm, I'm working on tightening up and getting stronger and all these things again but I, I, there's no secret to it just my genetics and also do you think during your pregnancy did you overeat did were you still like I know you don't like you're mindful a mindful person healthy person and uh whatever but it could it be that people are just because they're pregnant eating more because you think you're eating for two or your appetite can increase. And some people it does. Some other people I know lose weight in pregnancy because they have no, they've got no appetite and they feel sick. Um, but do you think if you, if you are mindful throughout your pregnancy as well, then obviously there's less chance of you gaining that extra weight and therefore you've got less to lose because I think that is the case with me. Maybe if I didn't like eat large jacket potatoes with mayo, cheese, butter, tuna, um, for lunch <laughs> and like whole bars of whole bars of Cadbury. Sounds amazing. I know whole bars of Cadbury. Then I wouldn't have gained as much weight, and it wouldn't be taking me so long. Yeah, I do think you know. There's definitely something to be said for that. In my pregnancy, I I was neither here nor there. I think I I I didn't deny myself anything. But I wouldn't say I went crazy on overeating. So I ate the same amount. But if I wanted chocolate after dinner, I'd have it. If I wanted crisps, I had crisps in my first trimester all day long. All I wanted was crisps of any flavour. I wanted it at 9am, I wanted it at midnight. <laughs> so I let myself have that. So, But what I would say is I wasn't like eating two meal portions a day, but my meals were whatever I fancied. So I am a mindful eater, but just because I'm a personal trainer does not mean I don't love chocolate. Mm. I can't help it. I, I love just it. love it. So <laughs> I, I gave myself a bit every day so that I didn't go absolutely nuts on it. But um, I definitely think... Some people go through pregnancy and think, oh, who cares? I'm pregnant. Enjoy it. And then they get to the postnatal part and it's just a bit harder because you've got, like we just said before, you've got less time to work on it. Whereas before, if you'd been overindulging for months on end, you could go, right, I'm going to go hardcore into this workout now. I'm going to do a few months of really, really working hard on my body. But you just don't have the time or the energy when you're a new mum. So I think it just takes a bit longer. So yeah, I think if you... If you're mindful and you eat moderately throughout your pregnancy, things might be easier. But as you said before, your second half of your pregnancy came to you as a shock when you had this pelvic girdle pain. That can really stop people in their tracks and they were, can be really good that first half. And then all of a sudden, they can't exercise how they would. And so they, they sit at home and they do eat extra chocolate and things because they're miserable or they're in pain. And I think we have to account for space for that because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm definitely a bit of a comfort eater. I was, yeah, eating the crunchy nut and the and the, and the the chocolate because of the hormones. Watching David Attenborough and the penguins were like, couldn't get up the hill and I was crying my eyes out, eating <laughs> bars of chocolate. No, but on a serious... <laughs> yeah. On a serious note, obviously... When you're pregnant, there's so much 
more to worry about than aesthetics. It's about the health of you and the health of your baby. Um, we're not we're not saying this because we're telling people to watch their weight um, while they're pregnant and stuff like that. There's obviously, you know, there's more important things. The health of you and your baby is the most important thing, but there's just some answers there. And it's good to have the conversation because you're so right. Women are all so different. We're all so individual. And that's whether we're pregnant, just had a baby or not. And there are a lot of celebrities that get stick for like, oh, you bounced back. But actually, maybe it's just their genetics, you know? And I think we all should yeah. stop comparing. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Vernon Kay. And I'm Holly Mackay. And we're here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yes, we're going to be delving into a whole heap of parenting topics from the generational gap to online safety. And some of the big topics which have come up through the pandemic, such as helping to manage our kids' anxieties and how we can affect the world they'll grow into. Parenting Past the Pandemic. Find it wherever you found this podcast. That's the main thing. Don't compare your pregnancy, your journey, pre-postnatal uh, to anyone else's, but all individual, even during that time. But obviously it's good to seek advice and get tips of experts like yourself. Yeah, I think not comparing is such a huge thing because the comparing starts at the very beginning. When did you feel a kick? When did your bump come out? How do you feel? What are your symptoms? And then it comes all the way through to how big is your baby? When did your baby roll over? When did your baby crawl? And I think it never stops. So you've got to be You've got to just take it into your own hands and on social media, unfollow people who don't make you feel good about yourself. You know, mute their accounts for a while. You might you might feel fine to follow them again soon, but I think right now, whilst you're feeling a bit vulnerable, you've got to take it into your own hands and make sure that everything around you is making you feel good about yourself because mm. there's no good that comes from comparing yourself to someone else because there's there's you're, we're all so different there's literally no reason to compare yourself yeah do you know what I am um, I'm I'm feeling really good in myself I'm obviously having peaks and troughs because of the pandemic but me as a person I'm I feel good in work and as a mom and uh just in general but I still mute or unfollow people on social media if I just can't watch their stuff anymore like at the moment I find it hard to watch influencers promoting constantly promoting designer goods because not because I can't afford them but because I just feel like it's such ill timing and I just it's just frustrating yeah and I think unfollowing people is very clever yeah even if you feel great and you're not a jealous person you can still unfollow people because you know you just don't need to see it right now you know 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I think be brutal. It's it's your own mental health you're you're supporting here. Absolutely. Before we round up the podcast, I do want to touch on your is it fertility journey? Your journey to motherhood? Yeah, I don't know whether it's fertility because I I always wonder about the wording because mm. I'll tell you about it, but I it wasn't probably getting pregnant, but yeah, we had issues in in the fertility world, yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit bit more about your journey to Alfie, getting Alfie, bless him. So, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a journey. So cutting a long story into a bit more bite-sized version, but we, um, we, George and I got married and then we thought, oh, we'll start trying for a baby. It'll probably take us a while. So like, let's just start trying now. And we ended up getting pregnant the very first month that we started trying. I was obviously completely shocked. I thought, oh, I'll just do a test. You never know. Like I've done many a test in my days and I've always seen that one line and thought, yeah, of course. Anyway, two lines popped up and I just couldn't believe it. I almost felt a bit embarrassed. Like, oh my God, that's it. <laughs> easy. That was so easy. Gosh, it happened so quickly. And um, then uh, maybe like three weeks later, so really soon after, I just started bleeding and I and I just knew what was happening and called my doctor and they said, look, if you can if you can bear it stay at home and it you know it's very early you don't need any intervention as soon as it's finished and you're not bleeding anymore you can try again that's you know that's absolutely fine so me being me immediately i was like right we need to try again as soon as possible so the very next time we could we tried again and uh, when i was waiting for my period to arrive it didn't and i did another test and we were pregnant again so the very very next cycle and this pregnancy started going completely normally so for weeks and weeks and weeks all the symptoms came uh, my boobs grew they were really sore I was feeling sick like loving it because I was like great this is all really good signs um then I was getting so frustrated and waiting for the 12 week scan so we went to have a private scan just before we told our parents um and in this scan I think I would have been 10 weeks she said oh you are pregnant, but, and George went immediately, oh my God, it's twins. I knew it. (laughs) It wasn't, but he was like, you are, she said, I I see that there's a baby in there, but it looks a bit younger than what you're saying to me in your dates. So what you've got to do is come back in two weeks and we can scan again and see if there's any growth. And I knew because I'd just been pregnant that cycle before I knew that that wasn't really right. But I went away for two weeks, the two longest weeks of my whole life. And I, and I did mathematics every day. I was like adding up dates. Like, could it work? Could it be possible? Maybe. And anyway, I decided, okay, it's still in there. I'm not bleeding. So maybe it is possible. And when, anyway, went back for that two weeks later scan and immediately she just went, okay. And I was like, oh, I just, I just knew. And she said it like that. She was going to tell me something bad. She said, there's no heartbeat you know the baby the baby had stopped growing Mm. two weeks before but my body had missed it so it was a missed miscarriage so I had to have medical intervention so they basically induced me so um I had to I I went into the hospital and then they gave me the sort of uh, pessaries and I had to induce myself basically at home and it was it all ended up being very traumatic they told me it was just going to be oh just like a period and it wasn't, it was horrendous. I, I saw the little fetus coming out. It was just awful. So after that, I really, really struggled to sort of come to terms with it. And we decided to take quite a few months off trying because I was I was not ready for that to happen again. And I, and I know that it's very common to miscarry, but I was like, if that was to happen to me again, I don't think I'm strong enough to, to deal with it. So we, we waited for a little while and it was really interesting because I struggled. I sat at home and I cried and cried and cried and just ate chocolate and didn't go anywhere. And George, my husband, seemed to be fine. And I was like, oh my God, it really hasn't affected him that much. But then when I started to feel better he started to deal with it himself. So we actually went to a wedding and um, George just burst into tears. And it was him dealing with it. Once he knew that I was okay, he was like, okay, now now she's okay. It's my turn to to grieve. And actually I was really happy that he did because I knew it was going to come out sometime and, you know, he needed to deal with those feelings. So once we both had a big old cry together and talked it all through, we really spent the summer 
just being us again. We went on a holiday, we saw some friends, we like, you know, we, we got back to our lives, which was really, really nice. And then we decided to try again after the summer, got pregnant really quickly again, which this is why I don't know whether to call it a fertility journey because I don't have a problem getting pregnant. I have a problem mm, keeping the You baby. are fertile. Yeah, exactly. So we are, George and I are very fertile together. We just can't do step number two to keep the baby in there. But oh. we, um, we got pregnant again straight away. And then I was hosting a talk at the, at the baby show, which I think you've been to. It's like a huge expo in mm. London where it's just filled with pregnant women. And just before I did my talk, I started bleeding again. And it was like no. something from a horror no. movie. I just was, I just had pregnant ladies coming at me every angle. I did my talk. I don't know really how I did it. I just, I just went into robotic mode. I did my talk and then I had to get out and I, I couldn't see a way out from bumps coming towards me. It was just hideous. And so we miscarried that, that baby as well. And that, that's what actually what I found the hardest mentally. The last one was very physically traumatic. This one was very mentally traumatic because it showed me that like this this does not seem like a fluke anymore we actually have a problem now how you know are we ever going to get a baby so I did my research got recommended to go and see a recurrent miscarriage specialist doctor and you know we had to go private because the NHS did all the tests on me and they all came back completely fine and they said to me just keep trying so I just knew in my gut, I was like, this doesn't seem like something that's bad luck. And I really don't want to go through that again. If I can do some research into it myself, then I will. So went to see this guy. No, no, I booked an appointment with this doctor. And he said, do not get pregnant before the appointment. We'll do lots of blood tests. We'll do everything. And then I'll talk you through what we're going to do. Anyway, guess what? We got pregnant before the appointment. So George was like, oh, what's the likelihood of getting pregnant again? And I was like, uh, pretty high, knowing us. Anyway, we, we decided <laughs> to just leave it and see what happened. And we, we, we were pregnant. So we went to this appointment and um, we were like two naughty school children. He was sat there like, I told you not to get pregnant. <laughs> we were there, really sorry, really sorry. Um, anyway, he said to me quite brutally, that you're probably going to miscarry this baby because let's be honest, that's what's been happening before. And so that was really hard to swallow, but I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, he's being honest and that's what I want. So he did lots of blood tests and he said, look, let's put you on some steroids that I would put you on if you had this condition that I think you have. And then in two weeks, we'll have the results. We'll come back and we'll see whether we've managed to save this pregnancy. So another two week wait went on these steroids and I came back and there was a little heartbeat. So it's the first time we'd seen a heartbeat in a pregnancy because we'd always missed it because we hadn't had a scan in time. So I was so happy, but obviously absolutely petrified of something then going on. So he discovered that I had a high level of activity in my natural killer cells. So my body was thinking that the pregnancies were disease or something. So it was, it was, killing them off so it's like my body was trying to help me but it was not helping me at all so my immune system was overactive so he was putting me on stuff to suppress my immune system so it was it was really fascinating I didn't even know that existed before um and since I've been speaking about it a lot more women have told me that they had the same thing so actually he managed to suppress my immune system until about 16 weeks and kept the pregnancy at bay. Everything was fine. Um, and then I got discharged from the private doctor because it was costing me all my savings. But anyway, in this stage, <laughs> you just spend all your money on, on trying to get a baby. I was so desperate. Mm. And then I went back into the NHS and had a really risk-free pregnancy and birth. So it was it was an anxiety fueled pregnancy at every single scan i was like that's it something's happened we're going to get the bad news here like i was oh, never really you. that relaxed until until i had him in my arms and i thought oh my god you're actually here this is crazy so yeah he's very very much wanted baby and i and i always wonder who those other ones were but then i look at him and i think we would never oh. have had you so I'm, you know, I'm not grateful for what we went through, but here we are. We managed to get a baby and he's amazing and he hung on in there for me, which is, which is great. Oh, what, what a story. What a journey. Oh God, I nearly cried at one point. Woo. I, I feel like <laughs> by the sounds of it, 
you don't get a lot of support. I know the NHS are inundated and there's just so much going on, but it sounds to me there's not a lot of support for for women who go through miscarriages. No, I mean, you know what? I understand they cannot investigate every single woman that has a miscarriage, even though that's Mm. what we want. It it is very, very common to miscarry. So I understand why they have this sort of, you have to have had three to then qualify for investigation. I understand that. But it is so hard to take when you are in that situation because you, every month feels like a year and you just want to know the answers. Um, And this testing that I had done is just not funded by the NHS. So it's something that as of yet is quite new research. So... In terms of the NHS, I think I would have just probably kept miscarrying and they might have ended up oh. offering me like IVF or something, which I wouldn't have needed. But um, I was lucky enough that we had some savings put away. And I said to George, maybe we just don't go on holiday next year. And then lo and behold, nobody's going on holiday this year. So that money you know, that we saved for that went to you know fertility investigations in, instead. But... I think that it can be very hard when you're in that situation. It feels very lonely and that no one wants to help you. But, you know, I understand they have budgets and they need to put them in certain places. But it's it's a tricky road to navigate by yourself, for sure. Mm. So if someone's listening to this and they feel like they can relate to what happened to you, that they can get pregnant, but they can't keep the baby. They haven't got the funds or the savings to go through with a private doctor. What are their options? Do you know? I think the options would be to um to know to know um what's out there and available. So I went into the NHS appointment not having any idea about anything. So I was like, okay, sure, we'll test this, we'll test that. But if you think that something is going on like that and you cannot afford any of the um, private investigations. I would go in with some research backed up. Tommy's do a lot of information on their website. Go in and say, look, I know that I'm eligible to have this test. Please, can you test my blood levels from this, that and the other? You know, demand them and keep pushing because I think you know your body better than anyone. And I just knew that how could I be getting pregnant all the time and then always miscarrying at one stage? It can't be bad luck. There must be something happening. Um, And Mm. so I think if if you really feel like something's going on, just know your options and keep asking keep asking keep pushing because actually you know they are not there to make you miserable and to keep sending you home they want to help you so if you can help them help you I think that's the best option but do your research and reach out to people I've had so many women reach out to me and ask me what was it called that you had so that they can then go and do their own research and, and they've often come back to me and said oh thank you because I went and asked and I had this investigation done and et cetera et cetera I think it's such a new world if you've never been in it before. Of course, we don't get taught this stuff at school. So um, ask questions, do your research so that you are well equipped when you do have your appointment to get the best out of it. Yeah, brilliant. That's, that, that is that knowledge is power, isn't it? And then you can go into that appointment feeling more confident about what could be going on. And it's such a precious time. And do you know what? We have, there's this thing about keeping quiet about your pregnancy for the first 12 weeks which I'm not a massive lover of, but I think that's because I'm an open person and an open book. And if I was to miscarry, I would share my journey because I know it helps others, but obviously some people are more private. But if you you're, you miscarry before those 12 weeks and you haven't told your family that you're pregnant and then you lose the baby, you could feel quite alone. So what would your advice be? Would your advice be to talk to your to family yes I would say you don't need to shout it from the rooftops and you definitely don't need to like announce it on Instagram or anything like that but in that last pregnancy we told our families really early on and we told one or two of our best friends because it was really useful for people to know what we were going through uh those first 12 weeks for us were around Christmas time and I just didn't want to go to any parties I didn't want to I didn't want to socialize with anyone I was so anxious and actually having my best friends know that I wasn't being boring, they could back up my fake stories, all that kind of thing was really helpful. What I would say is that I was definitely always going to be honest about my miscarriages. But the reason I didn't tell anyone until uh, I actually think we told people at 15 weeks ish, is because I didn't want to have to talk about it all the time, because I was so nervous about things going wrong, that I didn't want people asking me questions. It wasn't that I wasn't going to be honest about it, because I always would have done and I did. But I think 
people who are announcing their pregnancies at six weeks is completely fine. Do you want to jinx it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I felt like, you know, I didn't wear the baby on board badge for ages because I didn't I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want the person on the train to know because I didn't want them to jinx me and look at me in a funny way. You know, it was crazy. I went in I went into oh. a, a very, very superstitious mode. I wore the same jumper to every scan. You know, like I I really think that it's your individual choice, but my advice would be to tell someone, definitely tell someone, because it just, you need to get it out of your head. You need to voice your fears and things and talking to someone, it just can be really helpful. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for sharing such a personal journey with us. I honestly, you've taught me something new. I never knew anything about that auto, is it an autoimmune? an autoimmune thing that happened is that what they call it autoimmune or just yeah yeah it is it's like an autoimmune system for your reproductive I never knew about that so that you've taught me something um, uh, new there and um yeah it's such a personal journey so thank you so much um just to round off today's podcast I want to get a couple of tips for any um women who are looking to get pregnant or new mums that are in lockdown have you got any tips to help people get through the lockdown with a, a, a young baby or anyone trying for a baby say three give me three tips to new parents or wannabe parents okay so why don't I do one tip for trying yeah. for a baby, one tip for pregnancy, one yes. tip for new mums. <laughs> so I would say if you're trying for a baby um, at the moment, like we were saying before, comparing is something that you should absolutely not do. I know that when you're trying for a baby, it can seem like everybody around you is getting pregnant. Everybody's making pregnancy announcements. It's like the world is ganging up on you. It's not a race. You're not losing a race against anybody. It's, you know, it will happen, but just make sure you take that competitive comparison out of the equation because it's not helpful. You just want to focus on you. And if it doesn't happen this month, don't worry. Just take this month to really look after yourself mentally, physically, and then next month might be luckier for you. But don't compare yourself. So that's tip number one. If you are pregnant in lockdown, um, I would say... Be kind to yourself. And I know that's the cheesiest thing to say, but I mean it in the sense of if today is a day where you feel crap and you feel like lying on the sofa all day, eating your jacket potatoes, then do that. Don't feel like, oh God, I've got to exercise today because everyone on Instagram's exercising. You don't. Your body is telling you it's knackered. So listen to your body. And then tomorrow, if you feel great, then that's the day to do your exercise. That's the day to go on your walk and to eat your salads, whatever. But take it day by day because you're not failing if you um, don't do what everyone else is doing on Instagram in your pregnancy. If you're feeling tired, it's probably because your baby's growing that day a lot, or maybe you've built a liver or something, you know? Your body is doing oh, wow. a lot. And then my advice for new mums would be <laughs> to alter your expectations. So I would never say lower your expectations because your, your life is not of a lower, you know, grade now, but... You just cannot fit as much as you used to be able to do in one day. You just can't. And if you set yourself up with a to-do list that you're like, okay, I've got 10 things I want to do today and you only get two done, you're going to feel rubbish. So I now what I do is I say one thing a day. I'm going to do one thing a day and whether that is go for a walk to the post office or I want to go and meet a friend in the park or I want to do this podcast one thing a day and the rest of the day I'm just focused on me and the baby at home or whatever that's something that you can achieve and you're going to end up feeling good about yourself because you ticked off that list today um, and then as time goes on you can start doing two things a day maybe three you know like build it up but do not set yourself up for failure um, when you've got a new baby because you don't need extra guilt put mm. on top of you than the one you've already got on you. <laughs> yeah, literally. So just to finalise the podcast, the last question I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, my younger self. I think um, you will get there. And, that, and that's the advice I'd give in terms of 
fertility, in terms of career, you know, you cannot start off where you want to be. You've got to get there. It's a journey, whether it's a quick one, a, a, a rocky one, a slow one, you will get there in the end, but you, you can't just start at the end. <laughs> you have to get there somehow. So I would, I would remind my younger self that it's just a process. This is just one day in that journey and you'll get there in the end. Amazing. I think that is really important. I think it's really easy to look at where you want to be and think it's going to happen next week but um you know nothing worth having isn't a uh, hard work you know Rome wasn't built in a day as they yeah. say <laughs> <laughs> exactly but no thank you so much Charlie that was an amazing episode it's going to help so many women out there um, I really appreciate your time I know time is of the essence um, it's lovely to see your face and hopefully it won't be long till I see you again oh I know thank you so much for having me on and I hope I can introduce Alfie to Macy one day it seems like that's that needs to happen definitely thank you so much take care thank you bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.